0: To Psalm chapter thirty-two, Psalm chapter number thirty-two. I've been, I guess you'd call it poking around in psalms the last several days. Now, these are songs; a majority of them written by David. Uh, songs of praise uh, that he has written for the Lord and of course uh, they would put them to music and sing these songs and he would some of them you find where he's he's dedicated these songs to the the house of the Lord and given them to the the magicians of the of the tabernacle at the time and they would uh, put these things to music and sing these songs that Uh, David had written here, and he's got some beautiful uh, psalms that David has written here in this book of psalms. And we have one here in Psalm 32. It is a psalm of instruction, a psalm of instruction. Historically, it is believed to come after Psalm 51. In other words, David wrote Psalm 51 and then writes Psalm 32 afterwards describing what took place in Psalm fifty one or what what was his heart in Psalm thirty two to why he would write Psalm fifty one. Uh, it was uh called by Luther, in fact, he called it the Pauline Psalm. Uh because uh we find here in this passage that forgiveness is given by grace and not by works. Amen. Um, in fact, Paul quotes from it in Romans chapter 4. If you go over there, holy place here. Go back with me and look with me. Just hear what Paul says. Romans chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. He says, Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man, unto whom God imputeth righteousness without words, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. This is, by the way, the second psalm of benediction, or the pronouncement of blessing on the people of God. Uh, Psalm 1 being the first, it describes the result of holy blessedness, and this psalm here details rather the cause of it why we have that holy blessedness. Look with me at the psalm. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no God. When I kept silence... My bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Say law. I acknowledged my sin unto thee and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Say law. For this shall everyone know that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Selah. Those pauses there, Selah, are simply... Think about it. Think about what I've just told you. Think about what you're saying here. Think about what you're singing here before the Lord. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be not as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle lest they come near unto thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Let's go to the Lord's word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you again for this day. Father, we thank you for your blessings that you poured out upon us. Father, we love you. We thank you, Father, for those many blessings. We thank you for your grace. We thank you, Father, for uh, your mercies that we enjoy that are new to us every morning. Father, we thank you for all of your watch care over us. Father, we pray that you help us as we gather together today, as we spend this time in worship of you, that you might help us to do so in spirit and in truth. Father, open your word before us. Give us understanding of these things Father, that we might be able not only to to understand, but that we could have application in our lives, that we could walk by your word and live by rejoicing in what you have accomplished and what you have given us even this day. Go with us now as we look to your word. Bless each soul that's come this way today, that our hearts and our minds would be turned towards you, that that we would be focused upon you and not ourselves, but that our, our desire would be for Your glory and for Your goodness and for Your praise. Go with us now, we pray, for we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. David begins here in this psalm and he describes for us the blessing for the forgiven, the blessing for the pardoned. Blessed is He. That word blessed simply means happy. Happy is He whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man with whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no God. Blessedness is not in this case ascribed to one who is a diligent law keeper. doesn't say blessed is the one who keeps the law of God. Blessed is the one who is obedient to what God has declared. We don't find that there. We're told throughout the Scripture, we're told over and over again, That in all that we do and all the works that we can perform and everything, even in the outward keeping of God's law, in all that we attempt to do in ourselves, it will not forgive us of any sin. It will not take away any of our transgressions of God's law because even if we are outwardly keeping the things of God, even if we are outwardly doing what He has declared, we still have the problem of inward sin. The reality of the depravity of our very souls. And so with that state of being, that sinful nature that is in us, we cannot do enough good To even be forgiven one sin. Not even one. And so, David says, Happy. (laughs) Happy is the man. Happy is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. He's happy. Because there is nothing He can do about it Himself. And yet, God in His great grace has provided forgiveness for Him. David uses here this idea of forgiveness. And it means something taken off or taken away. As a burden that's that's lifted off. A barrier that's removed out of the way. Literally means to carry out of sight. Carry out of sight. This is what God has done in Christ Jesus with our sins. He's lifted that burden. He's removed that barrier in Christ. He has made us free from that great weight that we cannot bear. Jeremiah chapter 50, verse number 20. Jeremiah chapter 50 and verse number 20. Jeremiah writes here, in those days and in that time, saith the Lord, the iniquity of Israel shall be brought, or shall be sought for, rather, and there shall be none. The sins of Judah, and they shall not be found, for I will pardon them whom I reserve. He said there's going to be a time when people are going to be looking for the sins of Israel. They're going to be looking for the sins of Judah. Where is it? Where is all of that wickedness they've done? Where is all of that failure of God that they've performed? Where is all of those transgressions against God's law? Pile them up. Line them up so we can see all of those wickednesses. God has declared concerning them there won't be any found." There won't be any found because he says, I will pardon them. And guess what? Their pardon is. It's the same pardon of you and I. Same exact pardon. The same exact forgiveness. It was the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the forgiveness of our sins, it is the forgiveness of Israel's sins. It is the forgiveness of all of God's people. The death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord. And so happy, happy is the man whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no God. In the Old Testament, Sin was given a covering. We looked a little bit about that on last Sunday and Wednesday night as we considered the, that place of Adam and Eve bringing the sin into the world and that nature of sin being passed on to all of us and what took place because of their sin there in the garden, their failure, their, their breaking God's law. And God's remedy for that in the moment, in that time, was to give them a covering. In order to to give them that covering, there had to be the innocent that would die in order to provide for Adam and Eve that covering that was needed. And God made them coats of skins. the scripture says. In order for them to have those coats of skins for the covering of their nakedness, for the covering of their sin, there had to be some animals that had to die. This was carried on throughout the scriptures. God would incorporate, make it the law for Israel in the in the sin offering that was to be offered for the people. There was that covering that was to be offered year after year for the sin of the people. That covering was only temporary. But it was always had to be repeated over and over and over again, but it was always looking forward to the payment that David's talking about here. It was always looking forward to the the payment that Jeremiah was talking about there in Jeremiah chapter number 50. It was always looking forward to that work that Christ Jesus would do when He would go to the cross for us. And so, in the Old Testament, it was at best a covering that needed to be renewed, but now in Christ, the, the, what, what even what david is is speaking to here in regards to the lord's grace that that is a, a, a forgiveness that we have in Christ Jesus that is an eternal forgiveness. it's washed from us now in him. Four evils here are mentioned. In these first two verses. He begins with transgression. A transgression is something that's passed over a boundary. There's a boundary that's set. and one passes over that set boundary. That is a transgression. Doing that which is prohibited. Sin is missing the mark. Missing the mark. And it's simply not doing what is commanded. Not doing what is commanded. Iniquity means to be turned out of proper course. Turned out of proper course. That's things that are morally distorted or perverted. That's iniquity. And guile is fraud, deceit. No guile is to be found in us, David says, in this forgiveness. No guile is to be frank and honest and sincere, confessing our sins before God. And so David says when, when one is forgiven, when his transgression is forgiven, when his sin is covered, when the Lord is not imputing to him his iniquity, his perverseness, all the things wrong with him, and the Lord is not putting that on him, but rather the Lord has forgiven him of these things He says the result of that, if you will, is there is a spirit that has no guile in him. In other words, he is open, he is honest, he is frank. Look, I'm a sinner, I'm a filthy sinner, I have sinned against God, I have failed Him, and I'm just laying it all out there. I'm not trying to cover it up. I have been forgiven of my sins. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. First John 1 and verse number 7. John says here, writing uh, this first epistle, he says, But if we walk in the light. As he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanseth us from all sin. All sin. Verse 3 of our text, David goes on and says, When I kept silence. When I kept Silence. My bones waxed old. Through my roaring. All the day long. Now he's saying in that forgiveness. He's not trying to cover anything up. In that forgiveness, he's open and honest and frank and declaring that, hey, listen, I have sinned against God. There's, there's an honesty with himself. There's an honesty with others around him that he's not trying to cover anything up. He's not trying to act perfect in any way. He's, he's open and honest. Look, I'm just a sinner. I've sinned against God. i failed. But there was a time But he goes on to tell us here in verse number 3, there was a time before the forgiveness, before the acknowledgement of that sin, before he was ready to admit what he had done wrong, before he was being open and honest and frank about his sin, when he was trying to cover it up, when he was trying to hide it. That's what he's talking about there when he says in verse 3, when I kept silent. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night, thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer, law. I acknowledge my sin unto thee. And In mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin law. This, again, is believed to be after David's sin with Bathsheba. And, of course, David tried to hide that sin, tried to cover it up, was able to do so for at least nine months, maybe longer, that he was able to cover that up, or at least he thought was covering it up. He was hiding it, lying about it. Um, David had committed adultery. Um, he committed murder, uh, even by uh, his own power, by power of the king. Did he commit that murder by sending those orders? Even by Uriah's own hand, that Uriah brought that death sentence to the front line. And then David tried to cover all of that up and find that in Second Samuel chapter number 11 and all of that, that discourse and the, how that sin come to be and all of those sins came to be. And then in chapter 12 is the discovery of that sin. And it's uh, not so much that it was discovered other than it was made known to David that it was known. When Nathan stood there before him, Nathan the prophet pointed the finger in David's face and says, Thou art the man. What you thought you hid, God's known about all along. And David writes Psalm 51 in regards to this situation. In regards to this sin. Notice with me what he says here. He says, Have mercy upon me, O God. According to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mayest mayest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. You can go on and read all of Psalm 51 there as David prays this prayer, seeking God's forgiveness for this great sin. But before David prayed this prayer, Before he wrote these things in Psalm 51. Before he come clean before God and acknowledged his sin. He said, I tried to hide it. I wanted it to stay hidden. I didn't want it to be found out. I didn't want anybody to know, he said. So he says, I kept silence. When I kept silence. My bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. He tried to hide his sin. It's amazing though what sin does to us. Sin is always a destroyer. Sin always tears us down. And it tears us down in our hearts. It tears us down in our spirits for whatever gets to our body. But it will eventually start tearing down our bodies as well. It's like a cancer that grows and grows and grows and just tears down the very soul of the one that it's in. David says here that he was depleted and aged because of that sin that he had harbored in his body. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old. He says. David dried up. He became cold and distant, not only to God, but to others. Separated himself. Caused, as we were looking at Wednesday, it causes that Isolation from God and from God's people. There's a separation even from himself. He goes on to say his emotion became as the drought of summer. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Well you can get that sin can tear you down so, I mean, can be such a burden and can make you so cold and so distant from God and the reality of who He is and what He has for you that you you can't even cry about your wickedness. Striving so hard to keep it covered. Striving so hard to keep it in. dries us up emotionally. It dries us up spiritually. It dries us up physically as we hold on to sin. David says, when I kept silence, my bones waxed old. through, listen this, through my roaring all the day long. David Knew something's wrong with me. I've done this, I've done that, I've I've committed this sin. I've failed God in this way. I've transgressed. I have this iniquity in my life. But I ain't going. I'm going to keep silent. I'm not going to tell it to anybody. I'm going to keep it to myself. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna hang on to it. I don't want to give it up right now. I'm just going to continue on in this thing, in this sin, in this wickedness. And I'm. I'm not going to let go of it. I, I like this. I want this. I'm going to. I don't want nobody else to find out about. it, I'm going to keep on. David says here that as he kept on, his conscience is crying out against him. That's his roaring. There's a roaring in his heart. There's a roaring in his mind. And and all the day long, he said, that roaring cried out, but I continue to hold fast. I continue to keep silent. My bones waxed old. His heart dried up. My moisture, he says. My moisture's turned into the drought of summer. It is the picture of hard heartedness. It is the picture Bitterness. It is the picture of indwelling sin. But then he says, verse 5, I acknowledge my sin. Couldn't hide it any longer. It was destroying him, he says. And so he acknowledges his sin. And he didn't, he says, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, unto God. And mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgression unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Say, well. At last, he confessed. At last, he declared his sin before God. He laid it all out. He hid nothing back. This is what I've done, Lord. And as we read there in, verse, in chapter 51 and verse 4, he said, I've done this evil against you, and you only have I done this. He did not confess Generally. He didn't say, Lord, give me my sins. Rather, he spoke what he had done. He declared his sin before God, spoke plainly of his wickedness. And thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Say, Lord. God in His grace, God in His grace forgave David's sin. David hung on to it all of that time. He he, he held it back all of that time. He kept silence all of that time. And it just destroyed him. But he got to the place where he couldn't hide it any longer. That's a child of God. We can get in our sin. We can can, can get in in places where we have uh, given ourselves over to sin. And we can follow after that sin. We can give it a place in our lives and continue in it. But as a child of God, we can't stay there. We can't stay there. Because it's not who we are. In Christ. And because it's not who we are in Christ. We cannot stay in that sin. We finally have to get to a place. There is a place that is coming. For all of God's children. That if you're in sin. There's a place that is coming. That you have to come clean before God. You can't keep from it. If you're His. You can't keep from it. If you belong to Him. David says he, he broke and he brought that sin. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Now, verse number six. For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee, in a time when thou mayest be found, surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Say law. The godly find themselves in the storms of life. We find ourselves brought down by our own failures, our own sins, our own transgressions, our own iniquities, our own guile. We find that in our lives because we're still sinners. And we find that in ourselves. And so those storms rage around us because of our sin. The godly, the children of God know that. That they are the Lord's. That we belong to Him. I love that phrase when the Lord's telling about the prodigal son. I love that phrase where He's down there in the pig pen and He's got nothing left. And He goes to eat there of the hog's food. And the, and the Lord says, And He came to Himself. What am I doing here? What, I've got a father. I've got a home. I'm unworthy. I'm not worthy to be called his son even at all, but, but maybe he'll make me one of his hired servants at least. He came to himself and realized this is not where I belong. And so David says when we find ourselves in those places... We can pray. We can pray unto thee in the time when thou mayest be found. And in those times, surely, he says, in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance, Salah. We know we are the Lord's. We know we belong to Him. and all the troubles and all the trials and all the situations that come, there is no calamity. There is no loss. There is no trouble. There is no terror of death. There is no guiltiness of sin that is able to separate us from our God. We belong to Him. Paul says that in Romans chapter number 8 and verse number 35 down through verse number 39 as he ends out that passage here of Romans chapter 8. Man, what a wonderful passage. But he says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's nothing, no sin. No no turmoil, no iniquity, no trouble. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of our God. Nothing. Now our sin, most assuredly, can separate us from our fellowship with our God. Oh, it does that. If you find yourself separated from God right now, it's not because he's moved, it's because you have. And whether you feel him or not, if you belong to him, he's still there. That's his promise. I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. That's his promise. Our Lord is our hiding place. He's not a hiding place. He's the hiding place. He's the only refuge we've got, you see. We are surrounded by His grace, we are surrounded by His power, we are surrounded by His love. David says there in verse 8, there's a change in him now. He's now forgiven. he's no longer hiding that sin. he's no longer covering it up. He is restored unto God now in that forgiveness, and now, now he is hearing the voice of the Lord. that fellowship. Is restored, he said. He says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. This is God speaking to David here. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be not as the horse, or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. All it takes is that bridle, that bit to bear down on that tongue, and keeps that horse in line, or keeps that mule in line. Now, you can get a stubborn one on occasion. That's all I ever had were stubborn ones, but you pull hard enough on that bit, it'll listen. You pull hard enough on that bit, it'll listen. It'll give in. It can't help to. It's got to. He said. You pull hard enough on it, and the Lord's telling us here: don't be like the the horse. Don't be like the mule that carries every burden that allows every rider don't be controlled don't be controlled with that little bit of force or that little bit of pressure or that little bit of pain that comes in your life we're not to be as the horse or the mule controlled by the every little wind that blows our direction but rather we are to be holding fast to our god Leaning on him. Depending on him. Not swayed by the world. But holding fast to him. Many sorrows. He says. Shall be to the wicked. But he that trusteth in the Lord. Mercy. Shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord. And rejoice. Ye righteous. And shout for joy. All ye that are upright in heart. Why? Why? Because we are forgiven. Because we are forgiven. Because we have a hiding place. Because we have God. Rejoice. Blessed is he who's. Transgression is forgiven whose sin is covered. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. The forgiveness of God is the source of our great joy. Look what he has done for you. Look what he has done for you. Look, look at what Christ Jesus has accomplished on your behalf. Don't sit there and dry up. Don't sit there and dry it. Don't wax old. Don't let your heart turn cold. Don't let your heart turn hard. Don't let it turn bitter. Confess your sin before God. And experience the joy, the joy in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you don't have it, if you don't have that blessedness, if you don't have that happiness, if you don't have that joy, it's because you are not with your Lord. It's that simple. It's that simple. Run to him. Run to him. Because there, there is the joy. There is the peace. There, there is the place of the child of God. Let's all stand. Brother Gordon, she brings us all.